I'd like to pick up on this theme because, um, and think about kind of the, the context of 1 John, because I really want to resist, <laughs> here, here was my inclination, um, to come to this text that is full of these, that it's just chock full of these beautiful um, truths that are very memorable. Like John here is kind of just bringing out like his, his uh, treasure, right? Like he's bringing out all the, the, the jewels, the riches of his writing. God is love. Um, we love because he first loved us. Things like this. And my, uh, and my inclination is to like try to come up with something just as clever um, and, and kind of cute in my own way. Uh, and I really want to resist doing that. So um, what I want to do is kind of think about the, this context of 1 John. Um, and there's a commentator named Ruth Ed- Edwards who kind of helped prompt me with this idea. Um, and she says in her commentary, she, she brings attention to the fact that um, the genre of 1 first, first John uh, stands kind of in distinction from 2nd and 3rd John, because 2nd and 3rd John act a lot more like a kind of traditional letter. 1st John, she says, uh, is more like, um, she, sa- she says like a handbook, like a guidebook. Um, and this, this makes sense historically because John, uh, um, who we kind of associate as the author of this book, Um, Some debate about whether the John who wrote the gospel is this John or is it John the Elder, Um, things like this. For for the sake of this sermon, we can say, same John, John who wrote the gospel. Um, This John, um, he basically started a school of theology. Um... Others of the apostles kind of had um, their own followings. Um, and, you know, Thomas is kind of known for being a missionary, for going out. John had the school. And if we're thinking about 1 John as a, as a handbook, um, I'd like to think, uh, go with me here, humor me. Uh, I'd like to think of this handbook as like a student handbook for a peculiar place of learning, kind of like uh, Hogwarts. You see where I'm going. Um, But it's even more strange than that. (laughs) Um, Like like finding, like encountering wizards and fantastic beasts, entering into the world of God's big story where heaven and earth come to meet is a strange, strange land. So as we think about um, this, this uh, teaching of 1 John as a guidebook, uh, I'd also like to borrow from Harry Potter the image of uh, the platform. I'm going to forget, what is it, nine and three quarters? Nine and three quarters? Um, I've never read the books. I've watched like one movie. Um, but I'm just... I'm just, for the sake of argument, just going with this image, because I think, um, I think it just helps us understand kind of what John is getting at. So um, 
if this letter is working as a guidebook, um, then basically it's moving us from the old order of things that is passing away, that other places in the New Testament say this present evil age, and it's taking us to a totally different place entirely. So we're going to have to um, learn a few things as students of this peculiar place of learning. And I want us to look just, just briefly at what love isn't and what love is and see how we are moved by kind of working to understand that. Uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Fiorillo, um, I point there like he's there, he's not. Um, <laughs> he covered some of this territory when he preached on the last part of the third chapter of 1 John a couple weeks, couple weeks ago. Um, where we've been then is, uh, since then, is uh, Matt Karsh helped us understand how to discern the spirits. Um, how, God, how God's Holy Spirit teaches us to discern the age. Um, and, and come to understand that there is an age passing away and there is an age to come. The one that breaks in with Jesus when he is made manifest, like John tells us. So, what love isn't? It isn't something that comes naturally to us. We assume that it does, and we assume that we deserve it. Um, because we're created for it, that's not bad to assume. But it is a bit mistaken. Because it, because it mistakes the fact that um, he loved because he, we loved because he first loved us. It misorders this, and, and we think, yeah, of course, of course God loved us before we loved him because uh, we're lovable. <laughs> I'm lovable. He knows this about me. And if he hasn't heard this about me, he should, he should know. Love is not contemptuous. And so we, um, we think that it's something that comes natural, and it's not. It's a miracle because it's made of God, because it's caught up in the very life of God from before the foundation of the world. We come to understand this when we hear Jesus praying in front of his disciples, Father, love them with the love that, with which you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's where love comes from, and it doesn't come naturally to us. It's a miracle. Um, we know that it doesn't come naturally to us because God makes the command for us to love. <laughs> if it was just something we sneezed and did, oh, oh, I just found myself loving. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> did I get any of that on you? Uh, God wouldn't have to say, love one another, like he does in Deuteronomy. From the, from the beginning, when he starts making relationships with people, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God 
Love the Lord your God. Do it. Do it. It's a command. First John. Beloved, friends, let us love one another. You're not going to sneeze it out. Work at it. I've had the U2 song. Um, I'm going to forget the title, but love is not an easy thing. Love is not an easy thing. Richard doesn't have the title ready to go either. It's not the easy thing, <laughs> but, but it is the good thing. What love is not? It's not something that comes naturally. It doesn't come easily. Um, another thing that love isn't, just very briefly, John doesn't say, love is God. God is love. Uh, we do misorder this at times. And um, we look for love to fill all, fill all the things, the desires to satisfy us in the way that only God can. Just very simple, but worth noting. Love is not God. God is love. Love is not um, a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. This is what St. Paul says. If you have all the gifts of prophecy and you speak beautifully and you are eloquent and you are logical and you can persuade people backwards and forwards, but you don't have love, you are cold and stiff. And what are people who are cold and stiff, Dr. Tom and Brian? <laughs> yeah, we know. Love is not cold and stiff. It's not a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay. We're moving, we're moving from this platform. We're leaving behind what love isn't. We can't take everything with us on the other side. So what is love? What can we take? What comes through the portal to retrieve us? What is love? Positively. It's a command. Not to put too fine a point of that, but <laughs> it doesn't come naturally, and it is a command. I'll say that again. Um, it's a command that um, God compels us into obeying. Not coerce, not tricks, but compels. St. Augustine says that it is, that love is the root of the good. So he says that whatever you do, if you have love, do it that way. If you cry, cry in love. If you work, work in love. It's the root of, it's the root of good, willing the good. Charlie said, it's the simple definition, my life for your good. 
That's what love is. But at the end of the day, loved ones, love isn't reducible to a thing or a platitude. The only thing that brings us into a new realm, into the new world, is a person. In the New Testament, we meet him. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrong. It bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it looks like joy, peace. Perfect love casts out fear. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Love is the complex of a human life living in perfect obedience, heeding the call of love. The Lord is my shepherd, he heard every day, and he followed. Love endured being betrayed by friends. Love endured abandonment. Love got pissed off when, when there were those in the temple, the place of worship, who would commercialize and commodify being present with God. Get out, right? Get out, love said. Don't bring that in here. Doesn't belong. God can't be bought. Love was transfigured. Radiant glory shining in the face of a human being. The life of God in a human person. What is love? His name is Jesus, beloved. He calls to each one of us. He knows us by name. In John's work in Revelation, he says that God has a stone with our names written on it. The name that only he knows. The name that he calls from the other side of that portal. As we learn to be new creatures, new creation, he's calling. Today, don't harden your hearts. Heed the call. It's only love that could pull us through this portal. And compel us to leave behind anything that isn't love. For some of us, that means compulsive behaviors. A way of speaking. 
certain relationships. Habits of the heart and mind could be contempt. Could be a substance. It could be treating yourself poorly and not taking God at his word that um, he loves us. Um, and our job is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we're not doing that, we're not keeping the commandment. But it's Jesus who pulls us through. And we leave these things behind that aren't love so that we can take up all that is love. All that's him. It's, it's, it's like those times where you've reached out. Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've done a version of this. When you've been in a room alone and you've been at the end of yourself and you reach out in the dark and you just cry, show me something, be there, touch me back. Where are you? It's all too heavy. Love's too much missing. Love is God reaching back and pulling us through that portal. And we open our eyes or the lights come on and we find that it's Jesus <laughs> pulling us through when we reached out. And we kind of look back like, where have I come to? <laughs> where is this place? It feels familiar, but it's strange to me. And we look back, and the door we came through is shaped like this. Um, because the way of love comes through sorrow, the valley of the shadow of death. It comes through the torture of one who lived in obedience and love. And uh, we come through and we go, golly, boy, oh boy, <laughs> what just happened? What happened to all that wasn't love? Where did all that go? Um, and Jesus says, as he did to his friends in that room, come see my hands. Put your hand in my side. Put your finger in my hands. Feel the wounds. That's where it went. Everything that isn't love belongs there. So he's calling to us now. And there will come the day when we do pass through that portal, finally. And uh, we say goodbye to this life. Today, and that day, it's the hand of love, the scarred hand of love that reaches out to you.
So I want to finish um, by taking stock of the fact that, and just kind of remembering with you, that this life is on promise in what we've been talking about this morning. Boring things aren't important. (laughs) It's on offer every day, in every context. Um, What is the most boring context? What's the thing we do day in and day out? Laundry. And putting on love is a lot like laundry. (laughs) Because in Jesus, God the Father does our cosmic laundry for us. He makes everything new. And then he gives us clean clothes. In the book of Zechariah, this is the image, uh, one of the key images of the priest, um, the priest Joshua, uh, standing in front of the evil one being slandered. Your clothes are dirty, the the evil one is telling him. You can't stand as a representative of God. Your clothes are dirty. And what does God do but charge his angels to bring new clothes? Is the tradition of the church early on. Um, the baptized would come naked to be baptized, no clothes, <laughs> naked as the day they came, to be, re, to be washed in the waters of new creation, reborn, and then they were given new clothes. And so putting on love is a lot like doing laundry and putting on new clothes. Be clothed in Jesus your clean clothes that the Father gives. And remember to do your own laundry with Jesus, alongside Jesus and his angels. And think of these words from a poet named Richard Wilbur. And I'll, I'll close with this. It's a poem called, Love Calls Us to the Things of This World. The eyes open to a cry of pulleys, and spirited from sleep, the astounded soul hangs for a moment, bodiless and simple as false dawn. Outside the open window, the morning air is all awash with angels. Some are in bedsheets, some are in blouses, some are in smocks, but truly there they are. Now they are rising together in calm swells of halcyon feeling, filling whatever they wear with the deep joy of their impersonal breathing. Now they are flying in place, conveying the terrible speed of their omnipresence, moving and staying like white water. And now of a sudden, they swoon down in so rapt a quiet that nobody seems to be there. The soul shrinks from all that is about, it is about to remember. From the punctual rape of every blessed day and cries, oh, let there be nothing on earth but laundry, nothing but rosy hands in the rising steam and clear dances done in the sight of heaven. Yes, as the sun acknowledges, With a warm look, the world's hunks and colors, 
the soul descends once more in bitter love to accept the waking body, saying now, in a changed voice, as the man yawns and rises, bring down from their ruddy gallows, let there be clean linen for the backs of thieves. Let lovers go fresh and sweet to be undone. And the heaviest nuns walk in a pure floating of dark habits, keeping their difficult balance. Would you pray with me? Eternal Father, may we follow the hand of Jesus so much so that it frustrates the evil one. to find that the way of weakness, vulnerability, sorrow, is the way of the triune God, life eternal, love. God, may it so frustrate the evil one that uh, Jesus be our only hope. And that everything else that isn't him fall off or be repelled. So that, God, we can be freed from fear to do the work of every day to be bored, to do laundry, to feed the dog and let out the cat, do the dishes, go to sleep and do it again, and find that that is the rhythm of love for how we spend a day is how we spend a life. We trust you to go with us, good spirit. And we give you thanks, Father, that you've given us your beloved Son, that you've made love manifest, that we can be included at this table where you, the Lord Jesus and the Spirit, have hung out and will hang out in the company of each other in perfect love since the foundation of the world wonder of wonders that we're invited in. How the heaven did this happen, God? Thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.